Thank you so much for being a listener of the Deep Believer Show. We love our listeners, we pray for our listeners, and we love to hear from our listeners. So if you have anything you'd like to say, if you have any testimonies, or if you have any questions, leave us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. Again, we would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for being a listener of The Deep Believer Show. Hi, everyone. This is Jennifer Bagnashi with Deep Believer. Today, we have with us a very special guest. I am so excited. His name is Earthquake Kelly. You may have seen him on Christian television a lot. He was an ex-voodoo sorcerer. He knows a lot about the ins and the outs of the diabolical as well as the divine. He's been to heaven and hell. Even the president of Haiti wanted him to cast a spell on the children and the people of Haiti. Today, he's going to share with us a lot of information that a lot of us may not even know. And he's also going to touch on the power of profanity, or shall I say the dangers of profanity. Earthquake Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my goodness, my sister. It is such a a blessing. Thank you so much for thinking of me and allowing me to come onto your great, great, beautiful program that will reach millions of people around the world. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. So Earthquake, tell me this. How did you get that name? Oh, okay. Well, I remember when I was three years old and um, I was, I was, uh, I had a, I had a friend. I had a friend when I was three years old who happened to be a little, a little white girl. She was my best friend. And uh, I didn't know nothing about no color back then. I didn't know nothing about no girl or boy. I didn't know what, the, what I could guess my friend. So we would make mud pies out in the front yard when it rained and we'd make mud pies. Didn't eat them. We didn't eat them. <laughs> we wouldn't make them. And so one night, I remember I had a, I had a dream and uh, this dream, the ground was shaking and she was outside and I was inside looking out of the window and I was screaming for her to, to run in the house, come in the house, come in the house. And uh, the ground opened up and everything was shaking and it was horrible and I was screaming, but she couldn't hear me because I, the window was closed. And this deep voice says, because of you, the ground is shaking. Because of you, the ground is broken. And I, when I woke up, I was, I was so scared. My heart was beating fast. And I said, oh, oh my, oh my, I, I didn't know what to think. The very next night I had the same exact dream. And it said, because of you, the ground is shaking. Because of you, the ground is broken. So that was God gave me that name as a child. He gave me the name Earthquake himself. So in 1982, I became a, a, a amateur fighter. I had been fighting before Golden Gloves type stuff and bare knuckles. As you can see, my knuckles are still damaged and stuff like that from all of that. The, that fighting way back in those days. So I tried out for the 84 Olympics here and you had to, you had to be in the box off way before the time come, you just couldn't show up. You had to, you know, eliminate other boxers. And so um, I would, 
uh, there was a guy, he's from uh, uh, Southern California. He had made it up to the top. I had made it up to the top. So that means both of us had to come against each other to eliminate each other. And Mike Tyson was there too, but nobody had heard of Mike Tyson at that point. And Mike Tyson and myself, I'm a little bigger than him. I was a, a super heavyweight and Tyson was a heavyweight. We didn't compete against each other or anything like that. But I was with the super heavyweight division. And there was a guy that was um, in there and uh, I was boxing him and he was, he was, getting, he was getting the best of me because I trained hard and was, he was beating me to the punch, which is not normal for me because I usually get the punch off first. And so I went in the corner for the second round and being a Christian boxer, I prayed. I said, God, I want to get on this Olympic team for 1984. And uh, God spoke to me. He said, throw that jab, put all your weight behind it and lock it, lock a jab. It's one of those old Jack Johnson, you know, things you used to do back in the day. And so I did one of those old Jack Johnson punches and I closed my eyes and I threw the punch and I knocked him, I knocked him down and out. And the guy, the sportscaster said, that guy hits like an earthquake. You see, so that's where the, the, the world started calling me earthquake. But God actually had called me that from a little boy. And so the name, the name has, has stuck with me all these years and I can't shake it. Get it, shake it. Like, <laughs> or you'll get that when you oh, get it. Oh, I get it, it now. <laughs> shake that earth. Shake the earth, please. <laughs> I love it. Wow. So I never knew that. Okay. So let's get into your basic existence, how you came into this world. So you mentioned to me how your parents had six kids already or seven kids already, and your father didn't want six. Six. Okay. Yeah. And, uh -huh. Okay. And but before that, tell us how your parents met, because this was really interesting and it kind of fits into why he wanted to abort you. Okay, yes, uh, my, my mother, my mother is born again, Spearfield Christian. And uh, she was living down in Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee. And, and she wanted to be a nurse, was actually, she became one, uh, RN. And uh, she had to, she had to uh, um, go, of course go to school, but she didn't want to go to school in Memphis. She wanted to go to school in California. She liked California and my, my grandmother, uh, my grandmother said, well, you know, you, you just can't go to California back in those days, you know, they really guarded girls, you know, and they need to guard them now. But back in those days, they really guarded, they really guarded girls quite more than they, they do now, unfortunately. So she went uh, to California. She was about 19 or something like that. But that was way back in 1946 way back in 46, and she came here. So my great uncle was a pastor of a church in a place called Vallejo, California. And uh, she went and joined this church and she got uh, active in this church and she was going to nursing school up there in Vallejo. And then my father, my father saw her someplace and he started coming to church because he wanted, he wanted my mother, you know, he wanted to marry her, but he wasn't a Christian. And so he would come to church. My mother told the whole story to my wife and I. He would come to church and he would act like he was a Christian. Everybody would throw their hands up. He'd be back there throwing his hands up. They would shout. He would shout. They would get on the floor and roll and, and they, they would wrap them up in sheets. He'd get on the floor 
and you fall out and they wrap him up with some sheets. <laughs> but my uncle, being full of the Holy Ghost, he would lean over the, he would lean over the the, the, the podium, and he would look his arm. Uh -uh, that man ain't right. That man ain't. That man ain't right. Uh uh. You know he not he not right at all. And so he kept following after my mother. And my great uncle said, uh, uh. He told my mom. He said, No 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 no. Uh uh. Uh uh. No 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 no. And so he found out where my mother was going to school. So he went and got a job there as a janitor, so he can be around my mother. He got hired there as a janitor. Now he didn't need the he really didn't need the money because he was involved in the world and in voodoo real bad. And in voodoo, and voodoo, when you get into that, into that, that section and that niche, your money problem goes away because you get money from all different sources, and that's a whole nother topic. But he would follow her everywhere she went. And my mother said she 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 wanted the she wanted a husband. She wanted one, but my great uncle said, no, uh-uh. Not him, he ain't safe, you don't need him. And so, make a long story short, he uh, took my mother to Reno, Nevada, which is not too far from, from up Northern California, and married her around 1947 or 48, or something like that. And my mother married him, and then they moved to Memphis, and from Memphis up to New York, and that's what I was, I was born in the New York area. And uh, my mother said she didn't even know that he worked with Papa Doc Dubai, age regime. She had no idea. And, and he was very, very, very powerful. My father was so powerful in that stuff that, that if, if he broke the law, he could not be arrested. He could not be arrested. And the police, they could arrest him, but they couldn't hold him because he was so powerful. And they had to, I, I remember the time when he would, he, would, he, he took a bar stool and he beat a lady in the head with it, a bar stool. You know, back in the days, now I'm not much on bar stools. I don't know much about them too much, but I've only probably been in a bar once or twice in my life when I sat down, those stools are heavy, you know. Well, he beat a lady in the head with it, bust her head wide open, and then he uh, went home, the police came, and they, and they real lightly knocked on the door, and they said, uh, uh, Mr. Kelly, uh, is it okay if we arrest you? Is it okay? Can we have your permission? They had to ask permission to arrest him because he he was involved with stuff that I can't even say over over this this thing here what he was. He was that kind of powerful. He was he just had that kind of demonic power over a lot of stuff. My mother didn't know that. She didn't know what he was, who he was, and by that time, I came along. Uh, I was number seven child. I was the seventh child. And three boys ahead of me and three girls ahead of me. And I was number seven. And Papa Doc Duvalier, he, he chose me. He chose me to work in Port-au-Prince to, um, to put curses and hexes and spells on people. So he sent a lady from Port-au-Prince and she headquarters was in, was in uh, the Bronx. And close in Brooklyn, the Bronx of Brooklyn, I don't remember, it's been a long time ago. But she was up there. And she would come and she would train me and only had two hours of sleep for 11 years. And it's not too much I don't know about voodoo, santeria, obia, it's, uh, uh, white, black, green, purple, pink, magic, all of those kind of things they taught me. But my mother, she said, I repented for marrying your dad. I didn't know who he was. I should have listened to your great uncle. 
She said, but she said, I'm going to anoint your head with oil. She said, God's going to use you for the gospel. She said, everything Papa Doc and those people are teaching you, you're going to use it someday to set the captives free through the word of God. That's what I'm doing now around the world. Wow. But I do remember you mentioning how because your father didn't want any more children, he forced her into an abortion clinic. Mm -hmm. So can yes, you tell us he did. He did. What, what happened, my, like I said, my father was well connected. He was very well connected in a lot of terrible things. And so one thing that he did when the girls in Yale University was going to school and they, they got what they call it in family way, you know, they got well, unexpectedly pregnant. My father had a, a system set up and he had different people he worked with that would do abortions, abortions uh, for the people, a lot of the wealthy uh, people and their children. So he was set up like that. So he didn't have to worry about abortions because he already had that set up. So he told my mother that, that she, was, she was going to, to abort me. And she said, no, I'm not aborting my baby. That's not gonna happen. So he beat her down. He beat her and kicked her in the stomach and punched her on all of his might. You know, my father was big like me. I'm, I'm not six four and two hundred and mostly uh, too many pounds right now. But, <laughs> but anyway, thank God for thank God for workout machines. <laughs> but anyway, he was big like big guy, big strong guy, and they're punching on a lady. You don't do that. You just don't no circumstance at all but anyway he did it so he drug her down uh on the steps and and threw her in the car and she's bleeding before she got there and then she got to the to abortionist and uh, uh they they put her up on the stirrup she said feel my arm she showed me one time my wife and i before she passed she said feel my arm here son so i felt i said mom what's that what's that hard thing like leather on your arm she said, that's the where the abortionist gave me a shot right here first. She said, then they made me swallow some big old pills. And then they laid me down on the table, put my legs up in the stirrup, and they went inside of me trying to find you. She said, while they was trying to destroy you with those weapons of destruction, she said, she felt some hands coming down from heaven. Oh, glory to God, I feel this thing here. And, and touched her, her stomach, her womb. She said, she can feel the hands from heaven inside of her. And every time that lady would, well, yeah, I said it now, the lady that was of mass destruction was trying to find me, she, she couldn't. And the, 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 the abortionist told my, my dad, I, I know he in there, I can see the bulge in her stomach, but I can't find him. After the pills, after the shot, and then she went in there with, with these things inside of my mom and could not destroy me. Then my father said, well, you're just going to have to live there. Now, around that time, uh, Papa Doc had, had, had wanted me because I was number seven, and the, the, the coalition of witches got on him. They said, what are you doing? He's dedicated. He's given over to, to, to Port-au-Prince. This baby is being raised to go to Port-au-Prince to work in the palace. What are you doing? And then he, my mom said, she know the whole story about what he told the delegation of witches that he was sorry that he was sorry what, that he did that. And that, that uh, and, and he, he said, well, I didn't kill him. It's not that you didn't try. You sure tried to kill me, but God, it wasn't you. 
It was it was God Himself who from heaven says that child's going to live. I'm going to use him, and I'm going to use him to come and destroy the works of the devil. And you pumping all that stuff in his in his ear, voodoo, santeria, over you. And you know what, my dear sister, I only had eleven for eleven years. I only had two hours of sleep straight for eleven years. They taught me nonstop, and they beat me. You see that that scar on my forehead? They it's beat me right in there. my head. That big scar here. They beat me in my head on the regular with belt buckles, not the belt, the belt buckle. They said, we want you to be mean. When you go to work with Papa Doc, you gotta be mean. You gotta be heartless. You gotta be cruel. Now I'm a child. What I know about being mean, heartless, and cruel? It cracking me in my head and the blood coming down in my mouth. And I had to drink that blood every day for 11 years without a break, without a break. Nobody can. Well, no child protective service. My father controlled all of that stuff. Now, how was it even possible to not sleep or to sleep for two hours in 11 years? Was it just like they trained you not to sleep? No, they took your sleep from you. Hmm. They would not let you sleep. Well, you, you know what? Uh -huh. You better not try to go to sleep when they're teaching you witchcraft and stuff. You can't, you cannot sleep. They will not let you. You, you have to. You have to stay up. You have to. They're gonna if you go to sleep, next thing you hear something popping, that's a size 13 shoe popping on your head. How are you gonna sleep? What are you gonna what are you gonna do? There's no there's no way that you could sleep with all of that going on at the uh it's just horrible to have to go through that. You know, it's just horrible, you know. And that's diabolic because the Bible says that. The Lord is rest. So they're taking away what God has given you. Yes, ma'am. Wow. They stole my they stole my youth. I don't know what it is to 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 have a childhood. I never had one. Wow. I never never had a childhood. Never know what it was to have one. And that's why you see me laughing and enjoying myself now. I mean, when you when anyone looks at you now, I feel as if that. You would never know you've been through what you've been through because of how God came and stepped in and just changed everything around. Yes. You're just so full of love. Now, you mentioned Papa Doc. A lot of us have no idea who Papa Doc is. Who in the world is Papa Doc? Papa Doc was the, the, the ruler, the dictator of Haiti from 1957. He died in 1971. He was the ruler. He killed many people, many people. Haiti, before Papa Doc came along, was a very, very upbeat place. They had hospitals, they had all kinds of uh, uh, I mean, it was just an awesome place. But when he came in, he was an actual medical doctor. And that's why they called him uh, Papa Doc, you know. Uh, and uh, he was an actual uh, a doctor and he came in and and something jumped on him and got a hold to him, and and he 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 turned out to turn out, you know. And it's a terrible thing. Is just a terrible thing. And my mother said no. She told me she said you'll never go to Port-au-Prince. She kept saying she kept taking a bottle of oil, and and it was a big bottle, and she would anoint my head with oil, and she said. I'm anointing you for the gospel. 
you will preach the gospel. You will not go to Port-au-Prince. You will not work with Papa Doc Duvoyer. You will not do all of those things. But then, then when the Papa Doc sent, he sent the lady from Port-au-Prince that was in the Bronx up there, Brooklyn and the Bronx, she came over and she said, Papa Doc sent me. And, and she would talk with a, with a funny accent. Now then yet don't you know. Don't you know, child, I'm your mother now, don't you know. And she had told me that my mother wasn't her mother no more because Papa Doc sent her to be my mother. And my mother got wind up. She said, she said, what? And you know, they're supposed to be pulling off their earrings. They'd be taking off their braces, slipping out their shoes. <laughs> Mama said, come on, bring it, you know. But then my father got wind of it. And he jumped on my mother and knocked my mother down to the ground. Every time she would come to my aid, he would come to the to witch's aid. And it was just a bad cycle that was going on. But what they didn't understand is the power of a Holy Ghost filled mama. You mothers out there praying, don't you give up. Don't you stop. You keep on blessing them. You keep on praying for them. They don't care what's going around. Greater is he that is in you. I'm talking to you. Talking to you out there. Yeah, you, that lady over there. Where that lady out there? Yeah, you, that little lady about four feet tall in Kansas City. I'm talking to you right there. Right there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You keep on knowing their head with oil and see what happens. You keep on speaking those things and not as though they are and see what happens. I'm a living witness. And then my mother saw that and she said, You're going to preach the gospel. She never even thought that witchcraft was stronger than the Holy Ghost. She never even said it was stronger. She gets, she's speaking those things that Abraham did. She spoke those things as not as though they already were. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Here I am, 50 years later, wow. preaching the gospel all over the world, my dear sister, all over the world for her. Go ahead. I'll get excited. Now you got me all. Excited. No, you're good. I'm loving it. Okay, so we're going to talk about that. Now, specifically, how did Papa Doc know about you? Oh, my father worked with them. Oh. Yeah, my father worked with them. He was a part of that at American circle. He was a Facebook friend with them before there was a Facebook. It's called the Astral Lineage Line. Did you know about the Astral Lineage no, Line? No, what is that? You went to school that day that was being taught? I don't, what year was that? If it's beyond <laughs> my years, no. <laughs> I don't get messing with you. Uh, is that a real thing? Yeah. Astral lineage line is, it, 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 I'm going to tell nobody to do this, please. When you go to a magic show, I don't like magic shows. I'm saying I don't tell nobody to go there. But if you go to a magic show and you see somebody pulling something out of something and there's no way at all that this big old giant thing can come out of thin air, it comes from what's called the astral lineage line. Oh, okay, so now, okay, you just opened up a can of worms now. So what is the astral lineal line? Lineage. Lineage line. What is no, the astral lineage. lineage line? You got to shape your mouth like a New Yorker. Like Ast here. Astral Ooh. lineage line. There you go. Line. <laughs> line, yeah. Say like you, you're from Harlem, from 125th Street. Okay. <laughs> now, astral lineage line is, you got your Bible handy? I do. Okay. Get to King James. I'm going to show you something, some few secrets in case somebody out there that's dealing with these things, you need to stop. You really, really need to stop. Go to um, 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 Proverbs 5 and 5. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Okay, stop right there. Okay. When somebody, when somebody is um, 
I'm wishing. And I tell people, don't call, don't call women bees. You know how bad it is when you call a lady a bee? I'm not, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm talking in general. What happens when you call, well, that, you know, get on my nerves, stuff like that, which what's happening when you do that, and and it's and it's and and and, and Psalm 40 and 14 says, it said, let them be driven backwards and put and put to mutual shame that wish me evil. The smallest form of witchcraft is called wishcraft is in the Bible. It's it's what happens when a person is wishing somebody and don't even know when they call somebody certain names and they have a, I wrote a book about it. What happens is that they, they don't even know their feet when they say in these actual names of these spirits, their feet walk right down into hell. And when you get down into the pit to hell, which is noticed as sorcerers and shamans and voodoo people, but they're not gonna tell you, that's why God saves people like myself to bring this information so you don't fall prey to that. See, when you're doing that, you don't understand. It takes over your body and it takes you right down the steps of hell. And you can't say I'm making it up because it's right there in the Bible. Is it not, my dear sister? Yeah, I just read it. It's there. It's right there. And it's been there for thousands of years. But the people say, I'm just, I'm just getting them, I'm just getting them told. I'm getting them, getting this off my chest. No, you ain't. You getting it on your chest. You're bringing this on your chest because what's happening when you do that it says her feet read that again i want people to get this please her feet go down to death there you go her steps take hold on hell thank you and don't even know is that when they're saying these things but they think of words or not apostle paul says watch those dogs he's not talking about your poodle he's not talking about your even your pit bull you're not talking about your Dovin Pitcher or your German Shepherd or your collie. He's not talking about them. He's talking about actual spirits that the book of James, the third chapter, talks about. When the tongue says certain things, it ignites the fires of hell. Fires of hell mean those spirits down there that come up, and you can and you can see this, Isaiah 29 and 4, that familiars will come right out of the ground. Isaiah 29 and 4. Read that, my dear sister. Isaiah 29 and 4. And thou shalt be brought down, and thou shalt speak out of the ground, and thy speech shall be low out of the dust, and thy voice shall be as of one of one that has a familiar spirit out of the ground, and thy speech shall whisper one of the dust. You become a demon whisperer. You have a horse whisperer, yeah. a dog whisperer, a dog whisperer yeah. and then you become a demon whisperer and don't even know it because the Proverbs 5 and 5 says, they take your feet down to death and you take on hold of hell and you bringing up all of that stuff right there, Proverbs 29 and four, you bringing that stuff out of the ground, it's gonna come at you and it's gonna attack that person. A Christian, you can't curse a Christian, you can afflict them. Mm. Now, I wish you to break that down because a lot of people don't even understand that. I understand it, but so many, even Christians don't understand that. You mean the part of the cursing and the, and mm -hmm. the affliction? Sure, sure. The, 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 the Deuteronomy says, if you do this, you're going to be cursed. If you do this, you're going to mm -hmm. be, okay, that's of your own doing. God said, don't do it, and you disobedient, then you won't, you're going to fall right into that bear trap, okay? But if you, if you live right, you're doing what you're supposed to do according to God, the devil will bring afflictions on us. But God will deliver us out of them all. 
It's just how do you deal with it while you're going through it? See, how do you going, how do you deal with it? In New York, there's a place called the Holland Tunnel. It's very dark, it's very long. Okay. When you first get in there, it seemed like you ain't look like you ain't gonna never get out of the other end. But you, you keep going, you're gonna see light on the end, the end of that affliction underneath there. And some parts of it goes underwater. People don't know that. They dug a tunnel under the water. Come on, man. I don't even like going under the water in no tunnel. I don't even like going to those places where they have those fish and those big old glass things. You, walk <laughs> you don't like that? That's fun. No, I don't like I don't know. <laughs> it's like you're in the water, but you're not in the water. Yeah, well, you go ahead and enjoy my portion. I'll give you my <laughs> ticket. You go ahead. Only fish I want is in a frying pan with some <laughs> cornmeal and some hot sauce and some mashed taters next. <laughs> that sounds really good, but not good, good for my waistline. Uh oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> but that's, that's what happens when you say certain things yeah. about people and, and you can call stuff up. And so they can become a Christian, can become afflicted by what you say mm -hmm. against them, but you can't curse them. You cannot because God will not allow it. See, you'll get on their nerves. You'll, you'll, you'll you know, make them feel bad a little bit because you're calling them all kinds of names and stuff like that. Nobody want to be called no name. You know, but it makes you feel bad, but you will get over it by the grace of God. Curse is different. A curse is something that lingers and lingers and lingers. And, and like you cough so hard, look like the back of your head don't pop out. That's like being under a curse. Affliction, you, you may cough, but God said, hold on, baby, I'm going to put that back. Hold on. And after a while you look, and you don't, you don't even feel that headache no more because some of you are under a headache affliction right now that's dealing with it because what's happening in Joshua 16 and 5, there's a spirit that flies around called Adarophadar. You can see it right there in the Bible. What happened, this is a definitely affliction. And most, most people, they get this, this thing around their head, my dear sister, and they're, not, they're under a curse that they brought and that they're not saved. That thing can cause suicidal thoughts to come on them. But a Christian, a real Christian that's going through that affliction, you can bring all that suicide mess all you want. You ain't got no, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. See, so that's the difference. Affliction cannot last. God says, he said, though, he don't lie. Curse is different. Christian and a curse. Now, if you do something in the Deuteronomy said, if you do this and you know you're not supposed to do it, you're opening up doors. But if you repent for that, God said, He'll close that door for you. He promised. First Thessalonians 2.19. Get First Thessalonians 2.19, my dear. First okay. Thessalonians 2.19. See how you go through that. The difference between what you're going through. Curse, you know that you didn't hit you unless you do the rhyme you're doing what's wrong. But First Thessalonians 2.19, I'll show you how to deal with it while you're going through. Bible is full. Like I said, it's, it's 200 things in the Bible never talked about. I counted every last one of them. 200. First Thessalonians 219. What did it say? What did it say? For what is our hope or yes. joy or yes. crown of rejoicing? Wait, stop, our stop, stop. Okay. Did it say crown of rejoicing? It said crown of rejoicing. You know what a crown of rejoicing is? Tell us. A crown of rejoicing is an actual crown that God gave us. It goes under the helmet of salvation. Mm -hmm. The helmet of salvation goes on top of the crown of rejoicing. So when the devil throws something at your head as fiery darts, it doesn't, it doesn't touch the crown of rejoicing because the joy of the Lord is our strength. 
That's one of those 200 things that's in the Bible that need to be taught. We should all have a crown of rejoicing under the helmet of salvation. The helmet is for warfare. The crown is for joy. But my brothers was in Vietnam. Two of my brothers was in Vietnam in the late 60s. And one of my brothers from the place in Vietnam called Da Nang. Da Nang. And he used to have to put the dead bodies of those young soldiers and the plastic bags and ship them back to America. And he would send pictures. It was so horrible, my dear sister, it was so horrible. And he used to have him did that, that machine gun in one hand and the other plastic bag in the other, showing us how he zipped those young 18, 19 year old boys up and, and sending them back. And the look on his face was, he had on the helmet, he was in the war, but he had no joy. That's the thing with the, the body of Christ is that a lot of us got on the helmet of salvation, but just as sad, miserable, and got no joy. And you tell me you got to throw your hands up and praise God. I got my Steve Harvey face on now. Stop it. That's so <laughs> I was in the airport. I was in the airport flying somewhere, going to minister. And a little girl came up to me. And I saw her mama, and I was I was a little tired. And, and, and she 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 the mama said, "Go go go go." I said, "Oh no, not Steve Harvey again." And so she came over, and and she says, "Mister Mister Harvey, do do, <laughs> do you mind I have an autograph, please, <laughs> Mister Harvey?" And the mother said, "Go go," and and I didn't know what to tell her. I said, I'm not Mister Harvey. Did you sign it for her? Make her happy. I think so. I think I okay. signed it Earthquake Kelly. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I signed it Earthquake Kelly. Old. And she was so happy. She probably said, who in the world is Earthquake Kelly? Oh, that's that old boxer from back in the day. Okay, so I want to go back a little bit to your youth. So yes. you were you were raised in Stamford, Connecticut. I'm a yes, Connecticutian. Uh -huh. I'm a Connecticut. Connecticut. Yay. Like hey. Yukon, yay. Yeah, Yukon, yes. So you were raised there. And then you told me some mind blowing stuff, the things that you would see, because the stuff that you described that you saw in your house because of your father were things that you could only picture of being basically in a horror movie. Um, you mentioned an instance where you heard a party at a party downstairs. Mm -hmm. and you wanted to join the party. Could you tell us about this part of the story? Yeah, I was up anyway, and we were in upstairs in a downstairs house, and uh, uh, there's a lot of basements in the East Coast Connecticut. We didn't, have, we didn't have a basement in this house. I don't know why, but thank God it was another creepy place to hang out at, so <laughs> God knew. <laughs> so anyway, um, I'll be up. Like I said, I only get two hours of sleep, so I'm up anyway, and I can hear all this, this uh, uh, singing and partying and whatever was the most popular songs of the day was down there playing on the old 45s. Now you probably don't remember 45 way for your time. But anyway, the little bit of things, you put them on a little disc and 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 sometimes if the if the thing didn't work right, you put a quarter on it, you know, quarter on the arm of it to make sure it played right. So I, I heard somebody downstairs. So I got up from where I was sitting and sat there on the edge of the bed watching all kinds of crazy stuff happen all around me. So I said, I'm gonna go downstairs and join this party. Maybe I can get a break, you know? 
And and so I would go down, when I go down the stairs, I would hear them say, here he comes, here he comes, here he comes. And so I would peek around the corner and the stair, the stairs, and I could see all of these people dressed in powdered blue jumpers. All of them, the men and the women, they all had on powdered blue jumpsuits. And so I could see, but I couldn't, because of where the staircase was cut, I couldn't see their faces. And as I was going down to, to enjoy the party and get my, my, my dance on, they would all go right through the walls, disappear. They walked through the walls. Now there was a movie out at that, not a movie, but it was a TV series called Bewitched. Remember Bewitched? I do. I and do. some of those writers and people like that, somehow they knew, they they knew about the astral lineage line and how to go through walls and stuff like that. They knew about it. And it happened, it happened for years. I never could, I never could join the party. They would never let me join the party and because. I wasn't on their level. Yeah, because there's different levels. I wasn't on their level, so therefore I couldn't, I couldn't, um, I could never join with them. My father was the kingpin of that level because that's why they were at our house. He can go to the walls with them, but I couldn't at one point. But as I got a little older and started really getting into the middle of it, I started being able to go to walls by myself. And I would go into Chase Manhattan Bank then, uh, Chase Manhattan there in Manhattan, New York. I would go inside of the vault. I would leave my body and I would go inside of the vault and walk around with big old giant doors, you know, those big old fat doors. I'd go right through that and I'd be in there. Only thing I was not, and I was a terrible sorcerer. I was not a thief. That's the only thing I did not, I did not believe in being a thief because I was like, why would I take something for someone that they worked hard to get they accumulated? So that's why I didn't like stealing. I didn't. I, I don't know why. You know, I didn't I didn't eat. First of all, I never needed money. I never. I was making two or three hundred dollars, two or three hundred dollars uh, every other day or something like that, doing sorcery, reading palms or doing something for somebody. So I never, you know what? I didn't know what it was like. My, fa my father, my brothers, and my mother, we never had a financial problem in Connecticut, New York. We never had it because we always had money coming in because of the evil sorcery and voodoo stuff we were doing, you know? And my mother ran the hospital. She was being a Christian, she ran the hospital, so she being an RN, so we never had that, you know? So people say, well, you were black, you were in the projects. You had financial problems, didn't you, earthquake? I said, I didn't even know what a financial problem was until I got saved. Oh, y'all, y'all missed that one. Somebody <laughs> right over your head like a frisbee. You almost caught that frisbee, but you missed it. Now let me let me let me fix it so you don't think I'm talking about God. No. No. The enemy who was the Bible says that your father, the enemy, he made sure you got everything because he wanted your soul. You 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 you, you didn't take no faith in him. It took works, see? It took evil works, right? The Bible said faith without works is dead, okay? It talking about doing something too for God. You gotta put some effort in something. But in the demonic realm, it's all works, all works, constantly, all, all, all works. You constantly got that. It's called a Nemos cycle. A Nemos cycle is stuff that goes round and round and round. She goes wherever it stops, nobody knows. That's what the enemy does because he wants to S- Oh, you L. He wants your soul. 
you want your soul. But when, when I got saved, God had to build up trust and faith in him. But they never had that before. I didn't know what it was. So God said, ah. you stop all that demonic stuff. So you don't need that stuff no more. So I got to start. See, in New York, we don't say start from scratch, sis. We say start from itch. <laughs> you, you're scratching that you know at least you you want a purpose but and there you you start because you're itching for something you ain't even scratched at it yet because see and god said i'm gonna start you from where it's itching you at so you can go way down to the seventh layer of your skin and trust in me oh i'm talking to somebody out there right now i'm talking to you right now god said He's going to start you to trust in him because you was a high roller in the street. You didn't need God for nothing. So now you get saved. God said, I'm going to show you how to really live. Show you what to really do. Anyway, I'm sorry. I, I, I got the No, no, it was good. But when you were speaking, it reminded me of um, Jesus when he was fasting, when he was done fasting, fasting, and the devil took him out. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, you can have this if you just bow down to me. And mm -hmm. the one thing Jesus didn't say, he didn't say, no, you can't do that. And mm -hmm. I don't think people realize that because he did have the power to right. do that. Right. As like he's doing now, like we mentioned in our previous conversation, like they do in Hollywood, they give the devil, give them things. They just mm -hmm. give them, give them to trap them. But Jesus never mm -hmm. said you can't do that because he has that authority. It's almost do you think it's an indebting thing where where um the devil makes you feel say comfortable he gives you all these things to make you feel comfortable to make you mm -hmm. feel trapped so mm -hmm. if you were to leave you wouldn't have these things did you feel that way yeah yeah because in matthew the fourth chapter he took jesus up as you just said and he said if you bow down and serve me i'll give you all of this stuff because it's is to, to do because i got this from adam and eve you know, they gave it over to me. So therefore now I got it and I can give it. Jesus said, get behind me, get away from me. It's only me, it's only my father that I'm supposed to bow down and serve, you know? And and, and that's the thing about it. That's why I tell a lot of people, trust in God. Don't don't fall. Jesus said, you can't serve God in mammon. Here's the thing, that spirit of mammon, it has another name in witchcraft and voodoo. It's called Pillardoc, P-I-L-L-A-R-D-O-C. It's the same thing as mammon. In witchcraft, it's called Pillardoc. And you get chasing after money. You just chasing after money. You get a condition in your spirit. It takes over your whole spirit. It's called Pillardoxy, P-I-L-L-A-R-D-O-C, double I. Double I. Double I is saying, not only am I going after this stuff because I want it, but I want it because I want it, I want it, and now it's given to me as much as I want. Double I, pillardoxy. But the problem with pillardoxy is the part of that thing called pillar, it like builds you up on a tall telephone pole, takes you way up there like he did Jesus in Matthew, the fourth chapter, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. You notice he set him up way high, the pillar. Okay, what happens with pillardoxy is a great possibility that you can join what's called the 27-year-old club. 27-year-old club. There's over 
80 people, 80 people who died at the age of 27. In Hollywood, right? Or just in Hollywood, entertainment, uh -huh. Broadway. Now, why 27? Because a lot of us know about the 27 Club. Do you know why? Because I know you were heavily involved in sorcery and witchcraft. Do you know why it was called the 700? Even yeah, people it's, the, the 27 Club is um, is a, a time that was set. It was set because they have to have a number to set stuff by. They had to have a. Um, there's something that that the okay. When you when you when you when you give it a um, say you're doing a contest or a raffle or something like that, don't you put a time on it? Mm -hmm. Got to be in by a certain time, and at a certain time, it stops. Okay, the enemy does the same thing. His thing is, I want them all to come at this certain time. I set this time. Uh, and the Bible said the devil would take people out at his leisure. At his leisure, I'll get around to him. Let's just set a time. So, okay, what do you want? He said, let's set it for 27. Let's take these people out. Let's give them all they want. Let's set them up, and they can't go no further than 27. That's why they do that. It's a set number they chose to set. And that's why people drop them and they get to a certain age. Some before that, and some don't get beyond that. Why? It's because that's the very set time in what's called the annals of hell. Annals of hell is a is that God has books and the books on judgment day, we all gonna be judged. The devil also has, he has books and numbers and, and numerology and different things of that nature and set and set. God seven is a day of new beginnings, amen? Or is that new beginning, which one? I think seven eight is, is new beginning. Eight is new beginning and seven is for something, yeah, thank you. A, a seven is for something that's, that's set and then God's, he overuses seven this and, three that and 12 that and 40 that. Okay, that seven has a very powerful time slot with God. The enemy also wants to set a time to where he takes people out. And 80 is no coincidence. 80 people so far at 27 years old, gone. And he, he plays a violin. Let me tell you something. The devil still plays a violin called the, called the viol. Isaiah 14 chapter, around the 29, he plays a vial and the lost souls that's in hell, he, he plays a violin to them, a torment like Nero did as Rome burned. Same thing, he torments them and he wants them to get there, get there at that certain time, okay? So he, he can get them in the 700, not 700 club, but the 27, Hi, Pat. Pat, you, you are such a blessing. <laughs> I'm talking about you. You let me come on a good time at 700 Club. Earthquake wasn't talking about 700 Club, Pat. <laughs> well, Brother Kelly, I'm not going to have you back on the 700 Club no more, Brother Kelly. How many times? You were on the 700 Club, weren't you? Yeah, I was on there. Pat's a good guy. I love Pat. Yeah, he's good awesome. People. Yeah, but 27 Club. 27 Club because it's the time they, they set to take people out. And they know that if they don't get you at a certain time, that, that somebody may get a chance to witness to you, minister to you, and they'll lose you. Mm. So that's why they said it for that time. Earthquake, I'm really glad you mentioned that because you mentioned to me that, and I'm pretty sure this falls in line, how you said that when you were younger, 
you used to be scared because there was someone in your or something in your closet and then mm -hmm. one day one of them took you into the closet and then you learned some things about contracts with the devil mm -hmm. yeah that's that? big that's that's big face i got pictures of it but i don't scan nobody but um that's that's that thing when i wanted to one day i was um it was in the daytime after school you? oh goodness sakes i was in junior high junior okay. high school age mm -hmm. it was so long ago do they still have things called junior high they, well they call it middle school but you're probably like 12 13 14 yeah about 12 or 13 yeah and so i was upstairs and i heard i heard a voice says come here come here and i'm like I'm up here by myself i saw oh, no I wouldn't be bothered. I'm, you know, just got home from school and I hear something saying, come here, come here. So I'm like, who's that calling me? You know, and so I go and said, open the door. So I'm like, is that one of my family members playing games? Because right now I'm just coming from school and I don't want to play right now. So they said, come in. And it was, uh, it was one of those kind of voices that was, that was nice and uh, uh, pleasant. You know, it wasn't harsh or anything like that. It was, so it's like, all right, but why not? So I went in there, I said, close the door. And so when I closed the door, I'm like, what am I doing? You don't close the door in no closet. It's dark in here. So I did it anyway. You know, I was one of them, them kind of children that that was uh, was a kid. You know, the difference between a child and a kid. I was a kid, you know, and that's a whole nother movie. Uh, got another teaching in itself like billy the kid I was pretty much like that but up against everything but up against it so i was teaching one time there's a difference between a child and a kid i was the kid but anyway so i went in there i went in there and next thing i know all the clothes disappeared the floor disappeared the closet floor disappeared and i was standing in the middle of this place with thousands of like stars, but it, it wouldn't look like the stars that you see at when you, you know, nighttime outside. No, these was like some kind of different kind of star. So I'm there and all of a sudden, off in the distance was, this, was a face. I saw it off in the distance and I said, oh my, where am I? I get to get out of here. And then that face got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. No body, no neck. And now this is a big old thing, pointy ears. And it was like, join us. I'll give you everything you want. Join us. If you give your soul to us right now, you'll have everything you want in an instant. Now I'm just, I'm just in school, I, you know, a little kid. I don't, you know, I'm already making money. And I was smoking weed at six years old and doing cocaine at 10. I'm already grown what I need. I'm already making $200 a day doing sorcery. You know, sometimes 300. I don't need your money. You know, he said, you, you'll never have to worry about money again. Just give us your soul. And I got so scared. I said, I didn't know it was like this. He said, you want to get in there with your father's league, don't you? And I said, yeah. He said, well, you do like I tell you, and you'll have more than your father had. I said, 
No, I think I'm quite okay where I am right now. It's a little little spills and, and Ouija boards and I don't I don't want to be around it like that. He said, come on, join us now. So I'm trying to find the doorknob. I'm trying my best to find that doorknob. But I'm standing on this is gonna be in my movie too. We work almost finished with the movie. It'll be coming out hopefully by next spring. And so All right. Yeah, it should be coming out at least by spring. And so I'm trying to find that doorknob and I ain't finding nothing. I don't feel nothing. And so I move over a little bit and I'm trying to get to that doorknob and I finally grab a hold to something hard. I said, that feel like that doorknob. And I grabbed it and I twisted it and the, and the door opened and I ran out of there and back down the stairs and almost falling over shoes and everything. I didn't care. I break my ankle, I was gonna crawl, scratch, whatever I had to do to get out of there. And that thing, I told that thing, no, uh -uh. I'm about as demonic as I want to get. I don't want to know. I don't want to know what you got. I don't, and, and I'm telling you, I was, I was, and I was really bad. And if there was, the, there is other levels. See, that thing is that when people get involved with that, they don't understand, you can get deeper into other levels, Proverbs 5 and 5, when a lady is calling another lady a bee, don't understand that that spirit is snatched out of her and the Bible's not earthquake. The Bible says she's taken down into the pits of hell and her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. It's right there in the Bible. It's right there. And so you all that are calling people different names, these are not words. These are names you are calling people. God tell me to, to repent. Tell God you sorry, God forgive me. God I had no idea. Are you, the Bible said my people suffer for lack of knowledge, lack of knowledge, because if I had a joint, if I had a joint, that thing would have gave me all I wanted, but I had to sign my blood over, it would have killed me before I got grown or at grown. And you mentioned that there, there's actually time frames from the time that you make the contract agreement with the devil and to how it ends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what it did to me. It gives you a 20 years or a 10 years or a 20 years. And that's exactly what it does. It knows exactly what it's doing because it's in a race. It wants to take you before Jesus gets you. Mm. And that's the unfortunate part about it is I was talking to a man in Hollywood that was ministering to him. And he said, oh, I don't want no organized religion. I said, but neither do I. <laughs> we don't want that. No. Oh. He walked away and I was like, Lord have mercy. God, he 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 is turned. He said, God said, don't, don't you feel bad? You did what I told you to do. You ministered mm -hmm. out here in these streets. He said, he gonna see this someday. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be brought back to him. And that's the thing about it, sis. There's a lot of things people doing, they think that's the end of it because it was yesterday. Not according to God, it ain't. Yeah. Uh, we have to give an account and we just can't say what we want to say because that that thing, that's why I tell people, I said, if you're a talent, you got talent and you're a really good singer, you're a good this, you're a good entertainer, know for a fact that eventually they're going to make an offer at you. They're going to make an offer. It happens in Hollywood, right? Usually when it gets to a certain point, they're approached, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. And, and they'll, 
I know a guy went from $24 in his bank account and he signed over. He got $24 million overnight. And I'm not trying to make that sound good. They want there's a there's a reason why they gave you that. It ain't nothing but money with them. Mm-hmm. They got quadrillions of dollars. They don't mind taking it to give your soul something. Mm-hmm. Look at all the people that 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 you know good and well signed over. Not of them gone. Yeah. Don't live long. Wow. Now that thing in the closet, what did you say his name was? Is that the one who you said had different names? And one was the ben, uh, Mammon and Pillardoc. And Pillardoc. Now mm-hmm. was that the boogeyman too? Because you said the boogeyman no, is no, real. No, no, no. Different spirit. No. Okay. So that yeah. one, you mentioned that you saw the boogeyman in your room while you were a kid as well. Uh-huh. I saw him 11 years straight. He always, he always showed up. He had so he's real. Oh, he's definitely real. Mm-hmm. He's definitely real. And the thing about the boogeyman, he likes to look like people who died. He looked to take on their face, their appearance, and somebody he died. People think that's, hey, man, I saw my uncle last night. Man, yeah, yeah, my uncle, man, ain't that something? He, he died back in 1973, but, man, he be walking around my house. So we set, we set a dinner for him and, and a plate and some Get out of here, ain't nothing, uncle. That's the what's called the wasters. Boogeyman, waster. He could take on their facial appearance on anybody in your family because what he's trying to do, he's trying to find a place within you. Your auntie or your uncle, no offense to you, either went to heaven, they ain't talking to you, or they went to hell, they show up, they show enough, they ain't talking to you. Because when a rich man died, the rich man died and he saw he was in the bosom of Abraham. He said, can you send a message? I can't go there and say nothing. But can you send a message to my five brothers not to come here? He said, no. Uh-uh. They got Moses. They got all their books. They got everything. Let them do it. Uh-uh. Nobody doing those special favors for you. You didn't even care about Lazarus. Now you want special favors. He in there begging food from your table. You don't even drop him a biscuit. Now you down there suffering in hell. Ain't nobody going to tell nothing to your brothers. No, in other words, you cannot say nothing to them people up there. So if you see something walking around your house looking like the rich man from hell, it ain't the rich man, it's the waster. The reason why it's called the waster spirit, the boogeyman is called the waster spirit because a little bit at a time, I wish I had some paper here to show you. Okay, dude, say this napkin is you, this napkin is you. Every time you see him, you pull a piece of your life away. See him again the next night, he pulling on a little bit more. He wasting you away. He keep on pulling at your heart, pulling at this, pulling at you. After a while, there ain't nothing left to you. That's all. That's all that's left to you. It's a little itty bitty piece. That's all left to you because that's the job of the waster, the boogeyman. And a lot of children, a lot of children, a lot of children scared. They wet the bed. They go to the bathroom in the bed and the mama take them to the doctor and say, my baby got a kidney problem. And the doctor checks them over. They say, your child don't have no, no problem. It shouldn't be going to bed. And so we're in Modesto, California, up there at a friend of my church. He got a mega church up there. So we was, we was preaching to him up there and, and revival and God says, stop just talking to the adults. Minister to the children that can't sleep at night in their room. So... I said, Lord, I do whatever you say. 
I said, tonight we're gonna deal with the children. And them children were so happy because they had heard that I deal with children. I said, I want all the children to come down here, come down. Now 6,000 people in the room, you know, it's always more children than it is adults a lot of times, and, you know, families and stuff. So they came down, I said, how many of you all having a hard time sleeping? All in little hands went up. I said, I want you to take some paper and draw what you see. And we're gonna rebuke this thing out your bedroom. I'm telling you, my dear sister, every last one of them beautiful little children, white, black, Hispanic, Asians, they all drew the same creature. Mm, I knew you were gonna say that. Oh. And that was the boogeyman. Yeah, waster, boogeyman. Waster. Now, why is it called the waster? Because it wastes you away? A little bit at a time, like I did with this napkin. Mm -hmm. Waste your way, a little bit at a time. It's suppose every night for 365 days, so 365 nights, you can't sleep, you tormented. You see some red-eyed, ugly thing peeking out the closet, looking out from under the bed, shaking your bed, and you got to pee real bad because some children got to go to the bathroom. And you wet in the bed, your mother, some mothers know what I'm telling you what to do, but some mothers are beating the daylights out to children because they wet in the bed. So is it because I, they're afraid to, to get up and go to the bathroom because of you, what they see? You three feet, you two feet tall, maybe two and a half, and you got this big old monstrous looking thing standing in your doorway and you got to pee and you scared. And the, and the fear of it is going to loosen up your bowels even more. And so I tell parents, well, let me get back to Modesto. I said, I said we're going to pray. We're going to pray. The parents came down too. We are going to pray. We have pulled the covers off of this thing this evening. We pulled the covers off. It can't hide in your room no more. Let's pray. We prayed. We rebuked that thing out of their house, out of their room, under their beds. We rebuked them out of the walls. How Becca, I want you to read Rebecca 211. I'll show you. They rebuked them out of the walls. The next night, I mean the very next night, my dear sister. The very next service night, them children came back. Their parents was screaming. They said, earthquake. I remember that one man said, he said, my child slept all night in his room for the first time in years with the light off all night long. Oh, my feet, my feet. See, my feet get happy first for the rest of me sometimes. My feet gets all looking like my feet gets one of them. Dance all around that building. Why? Because there's secrets. There's secrets that people should know and they're not, they're hungry, but they're not being fed the information to fight with. Do you hear me, sister? They're not being fed the information. You know, like I said earlier, you know, I heard it. You know? <laughs> now, let's fast forward a little bit to when you're a teenager and you pass away and end up in hell. What happened to you? Uh, uh, a spirit guide. The spirit guide. That's why uh, these imaginary, you got to watch these imaginary friends and these spirit guides. They demons from hell. Demons from hell. So I had a spirit guide. Okay, my brothers, my brothers was big dealers, really, really big dealers. And sometimes they would have guys and some of the guys would shoot heroin. And uh, being 10 years old, I wanted I wanted to to experience the heroin too. And they wouldn't, they say you're too little. But they let me smoke weed and let me snort cocaine, but I couldn't shoot the heroin. And so this voice came up to me 
and he, and he like walked up to me and he said, uh, I got a way for you to get high. You don't need, you don't need none of that stuff. And so he showed me how to get high with household chemicals. And I'm not going to say what they are, but it's a lot of stuff at, at the house that, that people can use and they get high on it to burn your brain out. And it was, it was all working against your heart valve. So I was doing that for a while. Then he said, you need to get up into more cocaine, into more cocaine. Because at that point, I was dealing and started dealing. And I mean, I was dealing like crazy. And so that, that voice, that spirit guy said, he said, you want to make more money. You want to be like the big guys, don't you? Can you tired of making $300 a day? Do you know how much $300 a day could even be now? You know, I'm making 300 How much is 300 times seven? I don't have my calculator out. I think but it's I'm about 2,100. 20, Might be. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's I, think I was out of school that day when I was teaching math. <laughs> I think it's 2100 Okay. Okay, I'm making that a week, and I ain't but 12 and 13 years old. I never had no childhood. They made a man out of me from day one, beat me in my head, and then showed me how to do all this mess. So I don't know anything about being a child. You know, so I was, you know, I make all that money and stuff. I give it to the prostitutes that had children. I give it to them so they can feed their babies. Had a lot of friends that were pimps and stuff like that. So I... They wouldn't pay the girls nothing. So I give it to the children of the prostitutes because what am I going to do with it? You know? So anyway, so um, um, that voice said, you want to make more money. You want to be up there with your brothers and all those big guys in New York that's making tons of money. I said, yeah, I do. I do. So he said, but you got to be the, the, the uh, guinea pig first. You got to try it first. So I said, okay, okay. So because um, I had a lab. I um did what it said and uh he said try it try it out and you can see you can you can see how um potent it is and you can make a lot of money you know ain't you tired kept saying ain't you tired of three hundred dollars a day two hundred dollars a day and i was saying yeah i'm tired of that i want to make the big money they be making piles of money be piling it up like this on the table and they would throw dollars the dollar bills away they never count dollar bills they throw them away. And so sometimes when I'm preaching around the world, I look for them dollar bills because sometimes people don't, don't, they be harsh on the offering. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> anyway, not that money. But I'm just saying, it's having fun. You know, it's having fun with y'all. But I listened to that, that spirit guy and I took some cocaine, about $500 worth. I put it together with the weed. I, I, I snorted and I smoked. And then these pills, I was on a TV show and it was another drug dealer there. He had a problem with what I said because he was from Jersey and I was up in New York, Connecticut area dealing. And he told me there's no such thing as what I was selling. I said, well, there's no such thing. I was selling it for I got saved. He said, no such thing, no such thing. And so anyway, anyway, sometimes dealers get into a little thing and we are both ex-dealers. And so but anyway, I know these pills, they were, they were called twos. And these tools were so powerful that you can cut it, you can cut it in half and cut the other half in half. And that one half would make you high almost all week. Almost all week off of a half of a half. They're the strongest pills on the streets. Please, y'all, don't take these things. I don't know what they call them now, but don't take them. They're going to take you out. They're going to take you out. And the thing about when people die of overdose, the minute somebody found out that somebody died of an overdose, it's a mad 
it's it's a it's a stampede for more people to try to buy that stuff. And you know, good and well that person died on it, but you want to go try it after you see that person in the coroner's truck. Come on. And I took four of those things, the whole tab, snorted cocaine, smoked some weed, and then drank that nasty beer. Hated beer. I hate it now. I don't drink beer ever. I only drank one or two things of beer. All that stuff in my system. I was sitting in a bar. I was doing like this. The, the, the rays of the sun was coming through the window, hit me in my head. The same place that used to hit me with the belt buckles, crack my skull and stuff. The sunlight was coming through there. And I'm doing like this. And I hear some marching under my feet. And I said, what is that down there? What's that noise? Is that a basement? The next thing I know, up comes from the floor. Isaiah 29 and 4. Isaiah 29 4 says those familiar spirits come out of the ground, come out of the ground, like it says in Isaiah 29 and 4. Here I'm surrounded now, and they grab me by my mouth. And I ran to where my brother was, and he said, What's wrong, man? I said, Man, I'm ODing, man, I'm ODing. Cause I know what it's like to have people the OD in my arms, die in my arms. Had a couple people to have that. See, a lot of people don't know my story. It's just is it really God brought me through a lot of stuff. But now my time now, cause I listen to that voice. You gotta know what voice you're listening to. You cannot listen to the voice of these demons in these hobgoblins. They know that you don't know a lot of stuff about them, and they'll take advantage because they'll use your body to kill you. They'll use your own body to kill you, especially if you you got curiosity. And back in the day when I was a little boy, they said curiosity did what to the cat? You the cat. You ain't got no nine lives. You ain't got but one. And they trying their very best to take that from you. And so I'm sitting there and I got up, them demons was all around me. I ran to my brother. I said, take me home, take me home. I'm 15 at the time. And then I listened to that voice, that familiar thing that came out of the pits of hell. Isaiah 29 and 4 says, they come right out of the ground to get you. And you think you're all of that. You ain't all that. You only become that when God saved you, when he fills you with his Holy Spirit. Then you become something that, come on, man. How you going to be doing drugs and be something? They're going to kill you. That's exactly what it did to me. They put me in the back of the car. And while I was in the back of the car, the demons came to the floor of the car, grabbed me again by my mouth, the same mouth that I used to sell drugs, the same mouth that I used to put spells on people, the same mouth that I used to do Ouija boards and curses and spells. They grabbed me by that same mouth because they were using, they owned my mouth, they was using my mouth. It was their mouth. And they can do what they want to do with it because I had given over to them and I didn't even know it. So they grabbed me by what they possessed and they owned. Was with my mouth and my tongue, snatched me out of my body by my mouth. And I saw myself going down to the bottom of the car, the bottom of the car. And as I got, I was looking up and I could see this long pole going round and round. 
the drive shaft for the car, but the car was not moving. The car was not moving, but yet the drive shaft going around. It's utterly impossible because if the drive shaft is going around, the back wheels automatically turning, but this wasn't. It was tormenting me and, 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 and teasing me as I was going down into this horrible place. And I was going down. You can hear sounds of torment, terror, terrorized people and demons, tormenting like the sound like you ain't never heard before in all of your life is down there in the pits of hell. And there I'm going to send it down into this horrible place with as many demons and I have more than I have fingers pulling me down there like a fish on a hook in my mouth. And it got down there, we landed, boom. And there was spirits everywhere, thousands of them in that horrible pits of hell. I was down in the pits of hell. It was in my mouth, it was in my ear. They were pulling on my eyeballs, they was banging me. They was hitting me and sticking me. And they was in, it was inside of my mouth, little itty bitty tiny ones those small ones, all walking in and out of my mouth, pulling on my tongue, pulling me from side to side, laughing, said, you thought that you practiced witchcraft and sorcery over your santeria, all of those things you did, all of those things, all those one category represents all the categories. If you did one, you represented all of them and you did them all. Now, we showed you who was really in control. We tricked you. Oh, oh, oh. oh, I'm talking to somebody out there that you think if you can sin, you can have sex, you can do drugs, you can deal with this, you can do all your, your perversion, the boy and boy and girl and girl, and you're going to heaven. Stop and think about it. Stop and think. You're going to heaven. All that perversion, all them drugs. You're going to heaven. Come on, man. Wake up, sis. Come on. The same demons that pull me down there is the same one that's going to pull you down in there. I don't care what's legal. I don't care marijuana legal. I don't care if you're marrying each other and you know good and well you're always supposed to be together according to the word of God. And you're going to do that because the devil is tricking you. Because that guide, you got that guide whispering, you got that guide telling them politicians to make this legal, good and well, it's against the word of God. They know it's against the word of God because it's lying in their pockets and lobbyists and labels and this and that and, and all this liberalism and all of this, it's even some of them conservative people and leaning over on their side in secret. And you don't think God see you. It says so in the book of Jeremiah, the book of Isaiah, you think that I don't see you. That's what God is saying, but he does. Conservatives and liberals all down there being tormented in the pits of hell because you didn't repent, because you let that spirit guide, guide you. And there I was being tormented down in the pits of hell. They let me go. I'm running in hell now on a road. I thought it was a road out of there. So I'm running as fast as I can, screaming, help me, help me, help me. And I get to the end of the road. There's nothing there but a line painted on the side of a wall in hell. 
and them demons come and they grab me again and grab me and they pull me by my mouth again and pull me and drag me and start tormenting me all over again. Then I was being tormented and I guess relaxed. I said, I did drugs. I did this. I did that. I did sorcery. I did Ouija boards. I did spells. I heard a lot of people. I said, fire's here. I've gone and I've done this and that and another. I was the witch boy. And I guess relaxed as them demons was tearing me apart. Then I opened up my eyes that when they allowed me to see, because it was in my eyes, it was in my mouth, my nose, all my private parts, they were banging them and sticking them with everything they can stick in me. And you think that your sexual perversion is going to get you to heaven? You better not die like that. They're going to wear your sex parts out. They're going to beat you with all kinds of things they can beat you with. Don't let nobody fool you. I went to hell. And now I'm looking, I'm controlled by these things from my head to my feet, they got me. Then I saw a bright light. Oh, glory to God. Coming down, it was in the shape of hands. Two hands coming down. And they grabbed me underneath my armpits, grabbed me and lifted me up out of the hands of them demons. And them demons was hollering, he's ours. He did our bidding. I didn't even say bidding growing up, but they were saying, he did our bidding. He did our bidding. He's rightfully ours. It was Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Because my mother was praying for me. My mother was praying for me and my dead body in the back of that car. You don't think the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avail as much and your mama praying for you dead in the pits of hell? Don't you let the devil fool you. There's a hell. Don't you let them get that. These gang members, I tell these gang members, the Crips and the Bloods, I'm tired of doing these funerals. Where you going when you die, you dying over, over rag, over rag. And I ain't showing blue, pink, purple enough. I'm showing white. You wind up going down there. You tricked me. That spiritual guy tricked me. He tricking you gang bangers. He tricking you. He tricking you bloods. He tricking you cribs. He tricking you. Fighting over turf, you ain't paid a dime. The taxes on none of that property, you fighting over it. It's a trick of the enemy. And there those hands of light came, grabbed me and lifted me. And I can see the bottom of that car still spinning, but it was going nowhere. Drive shaft moving, the back wheel supposed to go, but it was going nowhere. How's that even? That's not even possible, unless you're stuck on some some mud or some snow or ice. Then it'll do that because you ain't going away anyway. But here it's a summer day, no rain, no snow. California, I mean, in in Wisconsin of all places, no rain, no snow, dry ground, but ain't going nowhere. And some of y'all in in the vehicles of your life. 
You're spinning around, but you ain't going nowhere. And hell waiting on you. Repent. Accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. But then as I'm going up, oh, glory to God. I'm going up. I go right through the car. My spirit, my soul goes right, goes right through the car. And God, gentle, because he's a gentle God, put me right back in my body. I could feel my body and everything. And I sat up. And I said, I've been to hell. I've been to hell. I've been to hell. I've been to hell. Then a voice spoke to me. He said, because of your mother's prayer, that same voice that spoke to me, when he said, because of you, the ground is shaking. Because of you, the ground is broken. It's the same God. He spoke to me. And he said, your mother prayed you back. To life. You hear that, mama? And he said, because of that, and you were chosen to work for me in my kingdom, you were spared. And then they took me home, and uh, my mother, my, I got out, they threw me out. My brother and his friend Bill threw me out on the sidewalk. On the sidewalk, after all of that, threw me out on the sidewalk. They was mad because they said, I messed, you messed up our party. So they threw me out. And when I realized I couldn't walk because those drugs had burned out my optic nerve so I could crawl. The top of me had stripped at the bottom. So I crawled. I crawled about the distance from uh, half court in basketball. And I made it to the porch and I crawled up the stairs with all my power I had left. And I rang the doorbell. My sister Phyllis came. And she knew because growing up in New York and Connecticut part that we knew over those people because we've seen enough of it. And I rang the bell and she started screaming. My mother came to the door. She started screaming. They rushed me to the hospital. By that time I was out cold, cold. I don't even remember the ride to the hospital. And when I finally came to, I was in a mental institution. The mental, not institution, institution but the mental part of the hospital where I could hear a lot of screaming and banging. They said, let me alone, leave me a screaming. screaming. They had me in a padded room. So I'm like, well, at least I'm not in hell. I'd rather be in a padded room and be that back down in that place. Pad me, leave me here forever. I don't want to go back there no more. And so one day, they were filling me put pills and this. I didn't need your pills. I'm here. I'm here because of pills. I don't need your pills. There's nothing wrong with me. Anyway, they're trying to give you this little white little cup thing with pills, and I don't need none of that stuff. I don't need that. I learned my lesson. You ain't got to put no pills in me. Then one day I heard this voice. It was my mom's voice. They had me inside of the, this window with wires screened to it. Even if you broke the glass, you wouldn't go nowhere because you still got to get past the wire. So I hear my mother's voice. She, the doctor said, man in that, in that white suit. Talking about the man in the white suit. I definitely was there with the white suit. And he, he told my mother, he said, well, we can't release your son because he's mental. And my mother, you know, I, you know, here she go again. Pulling them earrings off and bracelets and she get ready to get busy. And she said, who you think you are? My son ain't broken, no law. He ain't done nothing. That's my child. You gonna let him out of here or you gonna let him out of here right now? And he said, hey, get the, get the wheelchair, Harry, get the wheelchair. That man was hollering, get the wheelchair, Harry, fast as you can. Little Irma Jean McCulley Kelly would have whipped that man and then prayed for him later. I know she would. 
She said, I'll come and get my son and you ain't gonna stop me. Then the next thing I know, I'm in the wheelchair on the way to the car. When I got home, when I got home, I couldn't walk to help me. And, and my dog was glad to see me. And I was happy to see him. They had a big uh, giant snout. He had a gold teeth. He was the only dog to have gold teeth. You know the dog with the gold teeth combing for him. And he was there and, and I was laying down, petting my dog. And then I fell off to sleep. I was so happy to get out of that mental institution. Oh my God, so happy. And I was laying down, my dog was there. He was happy to see me. He laid, up, laid down on the floor right next to me. And I fell asleep. And while I was asleep, I felt like I was in an airplane, in the airplane. And I said, wow, why am I doing up here in the airplane? And so I finally woke myself out of it because it was horrible. I wouldn't want to be up there in the clouds. And so when I opened my eyes, I looked straight ahead and there was a little angel in the room with me, little angel. And I said, what are you doing here? You know what I am, I'm a sorcerer. And he said, I was sent from heaven to protect you. And he mentioned the name of a demon that controlled the lost souls in hell. And he said, he's coming to take you back to hell. He said, but he can't have you. Your mother's prayers and you being chosen by God, he can't have you. He said, don't fear. Do not be afraid. He cannot. He said, God sent me from the throne to protect you. You're specially chosen. I said, chosen? How can I be chosen? You know what I do. He never argued. He never said nothing. And I said, give me my pistol. I said, where's my pistol? Where's my pistol? That dog can't talk. He don't know nothing about where my pistol is. So I said, I'll shoot so many holes in him, he'll whistle on his way back to hell. When the wind blow, he'll whistle. I'll shoot him so many times because I only believe in hollow point bullets. I mean, a little, little hole in the front and a big giant hole in the back. I'll say, I'll make him whistle real good. Angel never said nothing. He said, you're talking nuts. He said, don't fear. Next thing you know, I hear all of the living room being tore apart. Tables turned over, TV burst open and, and lights and everything snatched out of the wall. It was like, what in the world is going on in there? Now I can't walk because my optic nerve burnt out my legs temporarily at that point. So I heard it, my dogs are, and I touched was uh, what's wrong, just be chill, be, be still, you know what to do. Now, he was a specially trained dog. Nobody can get next to me. Nobody. He would kill you almost. He was a special trained attack dog. Because I'm like I said, I'm in, I'm in the world. I have to have these protections. My pistol and my, my trained protector. Because you never know who's going to try to take you out. So next thing I know, here's steps in this room. This big old great thing with a club in his hand, coming towards me. I'm like, oh, that thing, that's that thing that was in hell when I was down there about a month or so ago. He's coming to kill me. He says, I checked the record books of hell, the annals of hell. Somehow you escaped. I'm here to take you back. And then my dog jumped up, the hair in his back went up and the angel still in the room. He never left the room, the angel. Still in the room, he said, don't fear, he can't touch you. Don't fear, relax. God sent me to protect you. Now the angel 
is smaller. Watch this now. The angel is smaller than the demon that came up the staircase. Isaiah 29 and 4 and Proverbs 5 and 5. He's smaller, smaller than that demon. He's like David and Goliath. God ain't stopped when he did the first David. He got angels like David. And he, my dog went after him. He tried to go around my dog. My dog would protect me. Angel said, don't fear. So I relaxed and watched the show. I watched the show. Oh, glory. I watched God through my mother's prayers and his choosing. And that demon, that big old gray ugly demon had a club big as my head going to hit me in my head and take me down to the pits of hell. And I wasn't even saved, but it's the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availed as much. The veil that God put over me because of my mother's prayers. That demon shook his head. I'll never forget. It. He shook his head. He said, I can't touch you. You're protected. And he turned around and he walked back in the living room that he had tore up. He tore the place up. I jumped out of bed. Mind you now, my optic nerve is spent. I can't do, I don't even have no feelings in my legs. I got up and I ran to the entrance of the living room to look and I said, oh my God, you know, tore this house up and everything was put back in this place. Everything. And God spoke to me. He spoke to me. He said, that demon had no right to come here and tear up this Holy Ghost filled woman of God's house. God said, I made him put everything back where it belonged before he went back down that staircase to hell. God said, he is not going to leave. He said, I made that demon put everything back in its proper place. And God still does that for his people today. Amen. Amen. Still does. It. And right after that, my sister got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost at a church revival there in Milwaukee. She came and she said, God told me to get you to take you to church. And I said, I ain't going to no church. I got business. I got a shipment of stuff coming. I got business. She said, no. She said, she kept saying, you'll never be a sorcerer again. She kept saying, you'll never be a sorcerer. I said, that's all I know. That's how I make my money. And I've been to hell, and I'm still trying to get back into business. And she said, you'll never be a sorcerer again. You going to church tonight. I said, I ain't going to church. You know, I just got out of the hospital. She said, you're going to church and we're going to get under one arm and the other sister's going to get another and we're going to be your legs. Sometimes you got to be people's legs when they don't have the leg to stand on. Oh, I'm pretty good to myself here. And they took me to church. Three night revival. And my girlfriend at the time, she said, you can't go to church. You can't get saved. If you get saved, we're going to miss. Because I had a million dollars coming. That was my first big payday. And she said, you give me the money, and I'm going to give you the honey. So, hmm. I'm pretty good to her, brother. I said, you got it. It's a deal. So she went to church with me every night and made sure I didn't get saved. She opened up the door and hollered, come out of that church. You can't get saved. You got business. And that third night of being there in the church, the pastor, he was preaching and he stopped preaching and he pointed to the back and he said, you young man, you sitting in there in the back. And you know how churches are when the pastor points, everybody look and they all turned around and sister, 
They all turned around. Guess what? I turned around too. I said, young man, and nobody back there but me. I said, oh, nah, you talking to me. You're not talking to me. I didn't come here to get saved. I got to satisfy my sister because she told me to come. So I got to, he said, come down here. Now you mind, I can't walk. My legs like wet spaghetti noodles. And God gave me this trip. I got up. I started walking to the front. And the girlfriend, she started screaming. I was, I could hear her screaming. No, no, I told you, if you go down there, you're going to get saved. You're going to miss out on a million dollars. No. I stood there in front of that place, in front of all them strangers. God started talking to me. And that pastor, he started talking. He said, you were something in New York. You put spells on people because you people died. Scores of people. You were a mean sorcerer. I said, yeah, how do you know? I'm saying to myself, how do you know? He wasn't there. He said, God told me to tell you he spared you. And God was talking. Remember you had that 357 magnum to your head and the, and, and, and the trigger froze, but it worked this way. <sighs> when he put it back to your head, he said, that was me. I had my finger in there. He said, you remember when this happened? Remember when he tried to assassinate you? Off a car, you fell at 50 miles an hour and burned all the side of your leg off. And I stopped all the cars from running you over. He said, that was me. I was like, you was there and you stopped that? God said, yeah, I stopped you because I had a work for you to do. And that day, December 15, 1971, I threw my hands up and God showed me a vision going around the world ministering, China, Africa, Pakistan. I'd have been to all of those places ministering. Everywhere he told me I was going, I've been there once or twice. And for 50, December 15, 1971, to now, on a 51-year, I've been here helping people all over the world, my dear sister. And I thank God for you giving me an opportunity. There's a whole lot more. But I thank you for an opportunity to tell about the goodness of God to Brother. It's No, it's an honor. It's an honor to have you on. But really quickly, before I let you go, I want you to talk about your book that you wrote about the dangers of profanity. Yes. Yes. See, what a lot of people don't know just says is that when they curse F and they say S, those are not words. Those are actual names of spirits. And so I talk about it in this book here. The dangers of profanity. Stop cussing. I don't know if it's, can you see it? The problem? Yeah, it's clear. The dangers of profanity. Yes. Yes. In this book, I talk about the, the, the names of actual spirits and what they do because when people say f and stuff like that that that's not that's not a word that's actually that spirit's name this particular page right here i saw this sorceress when they were having an argument and and she she said i call f to destroy your life and man grabbed his heart died right in front of me of a heart attack. 
it's not a it's 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 not a word it's an actual name of a spirit that's rage there's seven levels of rage that the spirit works with seven levels seven i'm talking about old stuff in this book that what what helps you i talked about how my mother anointed my hair with oil and how she prayed and how the witch there in the corner was saying, you my son, you're going to do voodoo. And my mother said, no, you're going to preach the gospel. You're going to help people around the world. And you see which one of them women won. Mm -hmm. wow. oh now, God. what does the S word mean? Because I know you, you said that the F and S specifically. F is rage. F is rage. Seven levels of rage. When I first did when that sorceress, excuse me, did that, then I said, I want F to take over my life. And the door, the ground opened up, a trap door opened, and a little tornado came out called that. I got a book on that too, called it the Nema cycle. The Nema cycle. The Nema cycle is an actual, when you curse, curses happen. It happens. Because when they, I'm gonna tell you, if, if you look at the almanac, the Africans and slavery put a curse on this country because prior to slavery, there wasn't any tornadoes. There wasn't any Mima cycles. No way. Look it up. Really? What do I look up? I'm going to write this look down. Up, look up the almanac and you'll yeah. see, you do research on it and you will see where these, these Africans, because when they, no offense to anyone, but when they, um, when they, when they, they set the, when they set the ships and the traps and the, the drag nets and stuff, and they, they pull all of the people, mm -hmm. you know, from the, the different, <laughs> from the different nations, mm -hmm. from the different nations. They was pulling sorcerers too, and they didn't know it because they all was the same color. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they had no idea. Wow. They didn't know. They didn't know nothing about no witchcraft. They didn't know. I was out to try to get some money. They they chopped that cotton and stuff. So they were pulling sorcerers too, and didn't even know it. And you know that that uh, three out of 10 of them were sorcerers and sorcerers. So they was pulling them and they knew how to, to cast spells and fetiches and stuff like that. And when they came, they all, they all, they, they, they started, they started in the Nemo cycle. And the same thing when I cursed, the ground opened up and a tornado came out and was spinning and it went right inside of my body. And it was spinning and that night when I was laying down, and I got the whole story in a book dealing with this. When I was laying down, the closet door burst open. A big old, a big old green creature with wings. A big nasty green creature with wings. Right, I will listen to what that sorceress did. It came out of the closet, and it stepped, and it stepped on my arm. It stepped on my arm and my arm burst open with blood. See, came out of the closet and it stepped on my arm and he says, he says, my name is F, all four letters. Mm. He said, you called me out of the pits of hell. Welcome to witchcraft. Every time somebody's out there cursing, you don't even know, you enter, enter, every time you cuss, 
into a realm of witchcraft and that spirit. And I'm gonna tell you another thing. I tell people, please don't curse because you don't know what you're doing. And these guys, these rappers who are cursing on these songs and you see a lot of them die early. You know why they die early, my dear sister? Because the spirit, the spirit of F, it and S, it takes months and weeks out of their lifespan. He said, what are you talking about, earthquake? Check it out, man. I'm going to give you nothing but scriptures. You'll see the Bible says, be not wicked over much. Why should you die before your time? Please ask this. What is it? Every time you call up the spirit, not knowing it, by conjuring it up, every time you curse, it's taking weeks and months out of your life. That's why you see a lot of these rappers die early. A lot of them die early. Even some of the comedians, F this and MF that, die early. Not even understand. Not even, they don't even understand that when you say M and then F, what happens is that you are unknowingly cursing somebody or your own mama. Yeah, I'm a sorcerer, ex-sorcerer used to be one. I joined the Holy Ghost Club back in 1971, been there ever since. But prior to that, I know about these things. And you cannot, you cannot do that because when I was growing up as a, as a sorcerer and I would hear people cussing around their mama's house and stuff like that, you so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. What happens is that spirit that comes Isaiah 29 and four will jump on their mama. It will jump on their mama because they don't understand it. It will jump on their mama. And I hear every, every last one of the women before they die, they will always say this. They have that spirit on them that feels real heavy. And they will say, if I can just live long enough to see my child grown, 16 or 17, I'm ready to die. Every last one of them that their children be cussing around them, that spirit jump on them, every last one of them die of a heart attack, a stroke. Some of them can't move they, because they didn't understand. And the devil ain't gonna tell you that when you speak in that thing, that these things are gonna attack your mother by putting those two initials together. Come on, y'all. My people destroyed for lack of knowledge. If God's people destroyed for lack of knowledge, imagine what the sinner is going through. That's why God told me to write this. Now, this is volume one. This is volume one. I'm going into a whole lot more than volume two. I'm going to be dealing with this because God wants his people, evangelists, because saying this uh, cussing just yesterday. So I have a question for you. Yes, what does please. the house look like spiritually where there's cussing all the time, constantly? It's just like their, their way of life, always swearing. What does that look like spiritually in their house? It's bad. It's bad. Um, 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 um. Isaiah 13. Oh, God, I wish I brought my Bible. Isaiah 13th chapter. Uh, you'll see the word Seder, S-A-Y-T-R mm -hmm. or S-A-T-Y-R. Okay. Seder. It talks about doleful. It talks about 
owls. He talks about all kinds of creepy spirits and things of the night right there in Isaiah 13. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's what your house will turn into, a person cursing. And every time, it, it, it's, every time a person curses, that thing comes and it goes inside of the walls. Habakkuk 2.11, they go. You call them out of the ground, Isaiah 29 and 4. They go and they settle in the walls of the house. Mm. They settle in the walls of the house and it and it causes it causes the house to start to squeeze in amongst itself because there's so many in there. See, and they love the north wall. The north wall of a house is where they do a whole lot of their embassy work at. They spread out from the north part of those walls and they take over the other part of the house. Oh, people in witchcraft know that. See what happened? He says, I will ascend. I will be like the most high. I will go to the sides of the north. And God kicked him out, right? Yep. So what he wants to do, since he couldn't get the north part where God is, he wants the north part of your house. Oh, somebody wake up wow, and get that later that's on. Deep. That's deep. Yeah, he wants to set an embassy in the north side of your house and your room, particular room. Because he wants to have preeminence. He wants to north. Anybody in witchcraft know that? They know that. They can go and find the exact spot and say, oh, that's the north part of your house. Yeah. He ain't changed. He still wants that. So what you do, you get your blessed oil. I talked about oil. You go in there and you go throughout your house and you, you, you set a barrier like my mother did for me. And you're going to see a difference. And that's why the house feels doleful. Isaiah 13, 21, and 22. Mm -hmm. But wild beasts of the desert shall lie there, and mm -hmm. their houses shall be full of doleful creatures, mm -hmm. and owls shall dwell there, and satyrs shall dance there. What's a satyr? What's a satyr? A satyr is a half, it looks like he ain't no man. He looks like a half man with a bottom like a goat and hoofs like a goat. Is that like the lion, a witch, in a wardrobe? That's a satyr. And I tell people, you need to be careful watching that movie because some of that stuff ain't always should be. Really? Because we were always taught that that movie was uh, a Christian-based movie. Look at my face. <laughs> that's, how my, that's how one of my sons used to do. And he, 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 he's like, yeah, right there. He's a little boy do that. Yeah, right there. Wow. Get out of here. Wow. And in that movie, they call it a fawn, but it's a satyr. Yeah. Seder. Wow. Seder. And so what are they? So they, they're half man, half goat. and Yeah, it dances in the house of a backslider. That's what the Bible mm. says. And what does it, it do? It's a horrible creature that you don't want to see it coming down a hallway in your house. Mm. You don't want to see it. It'll tear your house up. See, you don't want that. And it's in the Bible. Say, well, you're making it up. No, if it's made up, God made it. That's see, right. it's a terrible creature doleful creatures you see what it says right there full did it say it didn't say a few it said your house will be filled or full of doleful creatures when you keep cussing now owls huh it says owls, owls too i hear that yeah. owls is of the occult sometimes too or not yeah it's the same when when people build houses they're in superstitious they'll put superstition i'm sorry They'll put a, when they get through building a house, they'll either put a tree on the top of the house or an owl. The owl is supposed to watch. You ever see these houses with owls on them? I've seen them, yes. 
Yeah, those owls are supposed to ward off evil spirits, and they don't. They bring evil spirits into your house. They bring them in there. You don't put no owl in your house no more. You do it, go downtown, get your get your gargoyle off the office building, and put him in your house on top of your house. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you don't do that. Uh-uh. They dance there. In other words, the the satyrs shall dance there. Wow. You be in your house getting on the good foot and you trying to sleep and you should have repented years ago, but people won't want to repent because they got this new doctrine out now that once saved, always saved. Uh-uh. You can commit adultery, you can do fornication. Nope. So look, everybody can do that but me. Everybody can do that. I said, well, well wait a minute. Yeah, earthquake, you can't you can't get saved once saved, always saved, because you was a sorcerer. You can't go and do that. Well, so you can smoke, yeah, I can smoke. You can commit adultery, yeah, I can commit adultery. You can commit fornication, yeah, I can commit fornication. So you mean people can't go back to the witchcraft? Oh no, you can't do that. No. And I don't want to. I hate, I hate that because I was forced into it. But I'm saying they have certain levels of it. Get out of here, you're gonna roast in hell. You're gonna roast in hell. Get out of here. That's doctrine of the devil. Yeah. Because if you do that, God said, if you do this, if you do that, then you'll remain blessed. But if you do the opposite, you're getting under a curse in the book of Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter, I believe it is, the 8th or 11th chapter. See, and it goes on. 22, look what 22 say. And the wild beasts of the islands shall cry in their desolate houses, and mm-hmm. dragons in their pleasant places, and her time is near to come, and her days shall not be prolonged. See that? God, what God's saying, you get to messing around, you cussing like a sailor, or blank you, or blank you, or blank you. After a while, you're going to start shutting your own days off because you are inviting spirits to come in and every last one of them trying to get you to die before you repent. That's the Bible. I didn't put that there. That's the Bible. That's a good word. Good word. Well, you know what, Earthquake? We didn't get to your heaven experience, but I would love to have you back on and to talk about heaven and a lot more of the supernatural that you know so much about. Would you be willing to? I would love to. I would love to. And and uh, I do have some oil if anybody want to 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 help us in our ministry. We're not selling oil. We're not a gas station. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We ain't selling oil to you by the quarter pint. No, this is to help. We're trying to get a, and you can see by what God did for me. I need a building. There's a building available, but we need funds. And if people would help us, we'd be more than happy, more than happy to to bless them. And all they need is to give us their 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 address that they, you know, excuse me, we'll mail it to you. You don't have to worry about self-addressed stamp envelope. All we need is your address and we'll mail it to you because it has to be protected. It has to be put in an envelope that that's burst proof, if you see what I'm saying. You don't want to put it in a regular envelope and the next thing they throw it, you know how those mailmen, no offense to you mailmen, but sometimes they get that frizzy spirit in them and they start throwing stuff like a frizzy and it pops. And we don't want no broken glass. So we have to, to package it and send it to you safely. And so we asked you for a donation, a decent donor, enough, not uh, uh, not no 50 cent piece. I mean, you wouldn't send it for that too. You send it for nothing if that's the case. But if you want to help our ministry and you want to give us a donation, 
I'll tell you where to send it to. You send it to Earthquake Kelly Ministries. That's Earthquake Kelly Ministries. Kelly spelled K-E-L-L-E-Y. I got two E's in my name. K-E-L-L-E-Y. Okay. And that's P.O. Box. 1192. That's in the city of Little Rock, California. 93543. And you send you send in, in, you know, donation there. Tell us now, put on there care of oil. And then we'll take you, but we want to make sure when you say care of oil on the envelope somewhere, you know, then we'll uh we'd be more than happy to do that. And we also, if you want to donate and help us, and you say, Well, I don't really want the oil, I just want to donate to your ministry. We have we have Cash App, which is dollar sign Earthquake Kelly. And uh and we're trying to open up because we are trying to reach people with this kind of information because there's 200 topics, 200 topics in the Bible. My dear sister never talked about the word avenger is in the Bible. Every time you do something good and all hell breaks loose, that's in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Psalms 8 and 2. The word ouch is in the Bible. Every time something good happens and it attacks you and you feel ouch, every time something bad happens, you say, oh, ouch, that sure hurt. God has attached gold to that. Yeah. Amen. And that's the stuff that I want to talk to next time we do an interview because these are, these are amazing revelations that you said that most people don't even know. It's 200 things in the Bible that's never preached about. And mm -hmm. you put them out there, right there, plain as day. Here it is in scripture. Here's the verse. Here's the chapter. So, Earthquake Kelly, I want you to do me a favor. I do yes. all the time on my shows. I want you to pray for the people. I want you to pray for the children, like earlier, who you mentioned suffer from night terrors or um, uh, demonic spirits who haunt them in the night, yes. or for those who are in uh, the occult like you were. If you could just pray for those people um to 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 soften their heart or whatever you know how to you know help them get out of it could you just pray for that i would be delighted i i i'm oh my god is this is this when, when i see people going to hell sis it bothers me because the thing is everybody doesn't have a praying mother you know doesn't have someone to stand in a gap for them they pretty much out there on their own. I had a friend of mine, he said, Earthquake, and I get ready to pray for you. He said, Earthquake, you know, you've been through a lot. And my mother took me to the 7-Eleven and dropped me off in front of the 7-Eleven when I was a little boy and got in the car and left me. And she, he said, I haven't seen her since. And he, that still bothers him. You know, he's a preacher of the gospel, but then there's some people that need to be healed of those hurt, painful emotions. You know, they're preaching and stuff. Mm -hmm. We want to pray for them too. So, Heavenly Father, God, in the name of Jesus, these little children, we put the, we said, suffer little children to come unto you and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. God, this enemy, he cares nothing about, he don't respect the fact that these are little children. And even some of them acting like Billy the Kid, God, they need help. They need, they need help. God, protect them from this waste of spirit. 
they're, they're dealing with this stuff at night and a lot of the parents don't know what to do. So God, we ask you in the name of Jesus, send your angels like you did for me. I was in the mental institution, I was in hell and you cared for me because somebody prayed for me. So I'm praying for them, God. Praying for your future evangelists. Praying, God, for your apostles. Saying for your pastors, God, in the name of Jesus. Those that are soon to come after us, God. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. We honor you, God, for those that, that are suffering right now. Those that got are not saved, those that backslid, wondering why it's so hard because the satyrs are in their house dancing, God, and somebody told them that they can go back and smoke weed and commit a fornication act or a homosexual act and all of these kind of things. God, you cannot go to heaven like that. God, touch them down in their hearts. Let them know we're not talking to me. No, you died on the cross, God, that they could be saved, delivered, and set free. Thank you, God, for this, this awesome God-appointed broadcast. You appointed this. Bless her, God. Oh, God, open up more doors. Oprah can do it, but the stuff she's doing, and God, you know what that stuff is. My dear sister can do it beyond that, exceedingly and abundantly, God, that she asks her thing. Touch her husband, touch the family, God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. We just bless you. Even I bless my wife, God. How you healed her of cancer last month. She had breast cancer. God, you healed her. You healed her, God. And she's going to take this testimony to help other women. That spirit that causes cancer. It's in the Bible, Nahum 2 and 7. And so God attacked my wife because we are attacking it and we attacked it that attacked us and we got the victory. So bless now. Thank you, Father. Those that need oil, God, that want this oil to bless their house, God, we've been more than happy to do that. Unto you, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Beautiful. Earthquake Kelly, thank you so much. I've been watching you for what over 12 years. You've been such a blessing. So thank you so much. It was an honor to interview you. And I cannot wait for our part two. Yay. Are you looking for some deep believing, bold quoted Christian t-shirts, hoodies, or sweaters? Look no further. Visit myjesusfriend.com to get 10% off whatever you want when you enter promo code BELIEVER21. That's www.myjesusfriend.com.